Well, uh, we begin a new series this morning that will take us through Christmas morning. And uh, tis the season. And this is a Christmas series. Last year at this time, uh, I was doing uh, a similar series. And uh, it's... it's it, uh, coincides with the congregations that use the Christian calendar or what's often referred to as the liturgical calendar. And so this is the season of Advent. And so during Advent, we celebrate hope and joy and love and peace. And so we're going to be doing just that over the next few weeks. And Advent is about anticipation. It is about the idea that God's people for many, many centuries long awaited the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. And so it is meant to remind us of what it means to, uh, to participate in that same kind of anticipation. And in thinking about anticipation this morning for the Christmas season, I think back to my own childhood. I think back to my own memories of Christmas and how you get excited as it gets closer. And I know that uh, as adults, sometimes that there's a lot of work that goes hand in hand with Christmas. And sometimes, if we're just completely candid about it, sometimes the busyness, the work that's involved, can sort of take something away from the Christmas season, if we allow it to. So if you're having trouble right now connecting with those memories of childhood, maybe you have your own children or your grandchildren that you can think about and you can look through their eyes and their lens at the anticipation that is building with Christmas getting closer and closer and closer. Because that is the anticipation that God's people once had. That there is a Messiah that is coming and we are waiting anxiously for him. Now we're talking today about hope and the, the, the title of today's message is Reigning King. And so we think about hope. I have to remind us, I feel like, that it's not the way the world talks about hope. It's not the word hope that is in our normal vernacular or our everyday conversation or, or vocabulary. Because we use hope today as this way of saying, I desire for something to come to pass. As if to say, I'm going to cross my fingers and maybe, just maybe, it's going to happen. But if we look up hope in the dictionary, there is what is labeled as an archaic definition. That same word where we get archaeologist. In other words, someone who digs up the past. And so the, the, the biblical term for hope is something that we have to dig up from the past. The archaic, in other words, no longer used definition, except in the biblical sense, the Christian sense of hope, is that hope is to wait with expectation. Not simply to wait with desire, 
but to wait with expectation. And so just as the, the people of ancient times waited with expectation because they knew that God delivers on his promises, right church? And so just as they waited with expectation that there would be a Messiah, we wait with expectation that he will return. Because it hasn't changed, has it? Our God is a God who keeps his promises. And so, here we are, waiting with expectation. The expectation that Jesus will return. The expectation that if any of us depart from this life, if we are in Christ that we will be safe in the arms of a loving Savior. That we will be in a better place. That we will be in a place where there is no longer any pain or suffering. There's no more hurting. There's no more sin when we're in that place. And so uh, we look and and uh, the words of the prophet Isaiah this morning, and Isaiah, uh, as a prophet, uh, wrote a lot about the coming of the Christ, the coming of Jesus. And so I begin this morning with Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, verses that are going to be kind of the theme of this series for the next couple of weeks, words that are very well known to, to most any of us, I think. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And when I read those words that his reign is forever, I'm reminded of Handel's Messiah. Not sure how many of you ever heard that, that uh, musical work, but uh, undoubtedly at some point on television, in movies, uh, you have heard the Hallelujah Chorus. And there is that part where they are singing, and he shall reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you've never heard a live performance of Handel's Messiah by a professional orchestra and choir, it is something that, even if you're not a classical music lover, it is something that will kind of take your breath away. Because it is a magnificently beautiful piece of music. It is truly a work of art. And it glorifies Christ Jesus in a magnificent way. And he shall reign forever and ever. And so, um, looking at, um, at Isaiah 52... 
in Isaiah 52, uh, there is language of God's chosen people as released captives who are called to celebrate. Isaiah 52, beginning with verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They will see it with their own eyes, burst into, into songs of joy together. You ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And so, using this language of released captives, who are called now to sing in joy, to celebrate, isn't that us, church? With the coming of Jesus, aren't we captives from sin who were set free and called to celebrate? Knowing the end of that story, which is really the beginning of Christianity, right? That that, that Messiah, that Christ that we celebrate is coming this time of the year. Light of the world, you've stepped down into darkness. And so Jesus comes, but he didn't just merely show up. He shows us how to love, he shows us how to live. And then he shows us how to sacrifice for others. Shedding his blood on the cross. And so, yes, we celebrate Christmas, but we know what happens at the end of his mission here. In those some 30 years that he walked this earth, Emmanuel, God with us, God in human form, that he is willing to lay down his life for us, for you, for me, for all of humanity that a multitude of sins can be covered. And so as Isaiah mentions that that's good news, isn't that good news, church? Yeah! That God loved us so much, He would give us a way to be reconciled with Him. And that is uh, the language that is used in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And what does reconciliation mean, church? It means when something is brought back together. A relationship that is severed is brought back together. There is reconciliation. They have reconciled. Because that's exactly what happened between God and us. Because of sin, right? Because of sin, there was a wedge between us 
and our Heavenly Father. And so because of the blood of Jesus, because of the greatest gift that humanity could ever, could ever possibly receive, that we can be reconciled. In verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 5, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so I think about this uh, idea of reconciliation and uh, the lyrics to O Holy Night came to mind. Not an easy song to sing, uh, especially in a congregational setting, but O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Why a new and glorious morn, church? Because the coming of the Savior changed everything. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Led by the light of faith sincerely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials, born to be our friend. Beautiful, beautiful words. Poetry set to music. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices. O oh, night divine, O oh, night, when Christ was born. And so what came into the world? Hope came into the world. Hope fulfilled in that the Messiah was here. But then also hope gained for all of humanity in that he conquered death and because of his shed blood we get to conquer death as well if we are reconciled to God through him. And so... Um, this Jesus that we celebrate appreciated people who knew how to display hope, who knew how to wait with expectation. As we draw our time toward a close this morning, I want us to look at two events in the gospel involving Christ Jesus. In the gospel of Matthew chapter 20, Beginning with verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. 
they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now, if you're taking notes, this is something that I think is noteworthy. Hope is louder than the crowd. Right? They identify him as son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And then what does Matthew tell us? How does the crowd respond? Oh, come on y'all, be quiet. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourselves. Really? It's like, come on y'all, shh. But they didn't shush, did they? No. It says they got louder, right? They got louder. They were waiting for something with expectation. And so sometimes when we show our faith, what does the crowd around us do in their own ways? Sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle. The crowd says, oh, you're making us uncomfortable. Oh, don't talk about Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do, no, no, no. You're not doing anything in his name. No. No. But see, hope can get louder than the crowd. And isn't that one of the challenges in our walk of faith? Isn't that the same challenge that they had thousands of years ago? Talking to one of the guys from Hope Center, and uh, after they get through that first six weeks of their recovery process, uh, then they hand them a copy of the story. And some of you still have your copies of the story that we used back in 2014. And, and so this past Thursday night, meeting with one of my guys, and he said, he said, man, you know, boy, in the book of Judges, he said, boy, they just kept messing up, didn't they? And so we got to have that conversation about when we read the Old Testament through the lens of God's people are really just a representation of us as individuals. The number of times in the book of Judges that it says, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then he handed them over to their enemies. And so then he, they, they cry out and he welcomes them back with open arms and then you turn the page and then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so they kept turning away from God and worshiping the pagan gods, the false gods. And so isn't that what we do? We prop up our own idols, our own gods. And we let that drive a wedge between us and God. And then we find that life's not going so well. And then we cry out to God and he says, yeah, come on back, child. And he welcomes us over and over and over again with open, loving arms. And and so um, that is... One of the things, though, that's a problem for us, just like it was them, they were tempted by the false gods. 
because they wanted to be like the people around them. They wanted to blend in. And so hope allows us to shout louder than the crowd, church. Hope allows us to overcome the people around us and not buy into the trap of just blending in and just being like everyone else. Because please understand, we have to understand, if we're truly going to follow Jesus, then we're going to look different to people. And we have to get comfortable looking different. If we can't get comfortable looking different, then we're not really following Jesus the way we should be. Now, speaking of following Jesus, notice how that this uh, encounter with Jesus ends. It said Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. And then immediately they received their sight and followed him. They didn't just say, Jesus, son of David, wow, we can see now, thanks for the gift. No. No. They started walking down the road with him, didn't they, church? Because that's what we're called to do when we have that encounter with Jesus. That we start following him. And then I want us to look at Mark chapter 5, one of my favorites. This is one of those situations where Mark starts a story and then he breaks off into another story and then he comes back to it later. We're just going to focus on this woman. Verse 25, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She felt it right away, church. Some of your translations will say, touch the hem of his garment. Just if I can just if I can just reach out and just just touch the edge of it. If I can just touch the edge as he kind of walks by among this crowd, I can go unnoticed. That kind of faith, church. If I can just touch his clothing. And then, of course, we know the story. We know that Jesus stops dead in his tracks and said, somebody touched me and his disciples kind of take on that role of handlers. (laughs) Why they thought they could handle the Messiah, the Christ, I don't know. But I like to think that any of us would have maybe done the same thing. They're trying to be practical in that moment. And they're saying, "Yeah, hey boss, you know, it's elbow to elbow here, man. It's crowded. Lots of people are touching you. And then he says something remarkable. I felt power go out of me. Woo! <laughs> I felt power go out of me. 
and the woman sees the commotion and she feels like, okay, I gotta come clean, and so we skip down to verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Church, hope doesn't stop believing. That's what hope does. It doesn't stop believing. And something else that hope does is it frees us from our suffering. John Mark tells us that she was freed from her suffering. But then Jesus pronounces it when she falls on her knees in front of him. This woman who had been victimized. Victimized by people who were more than willing to take her money. To leave her penniless. To leave her destitute. And so Jesus says, your faith has healed you. You are freed from your suffering. If you ever know what it's like to be a victim, if you ever know what it's like to be led down a path that you didn't want to go down by someone else, if you've ever been enticed into something, know how Jesus looks upon you when you have hope, when you maintain hope, when you have faith in Him. He looks at her and calls her daughter. Don't miss that, church. Don't miss that love. Don't miss that compassion. Don't miss that caring. As if to say, you got here by no fault of your own. But I'm here with you. And I'm willing to claim you. Because church, that's what our Savior does for us. He's willing to claim us. He's willing to claim us in our darkness. He's willing to claim us in our victimization. He loves us. He hurts with us. And He is willing to claim us. He is willing to call us His own. As if to say, I'm proud of you. And I love you. And church, that's what hope does. The final scripture I want to use today comes from Romans chapter 8. Beautiful chapter of scripture. For in this world, excuse me, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And so here we are waiting with anticipation. Christmas is coming, and with it we're reminded that God loves us. We're reminded of the hope that we have of spending eternity with God, that we are waiting for it with expectation. We are reminded of 
the hope that we have that Christ Jesus, just as He came once, will come again. And so we wait for it with expectation. If you're here this morning and you're, you're with us and you have not yet availed yourself to this greatest gift of grace known to mankind, we're about to sing a song as we stand together. And when we do, you'll have the opportunity to, to come down here and say, I'm ready to be a child of God. I am ready to take hold of this hope that God is offering humanity. We will ask you one simple question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And with an affirmative response, we make available to you the waters of baptism to change your life forever. If you're here today and you've got something that you would like this body of Christ to pray with you about, then the invitations for that reason as well. Let's stand and sing, Rick.